I'm Gregory Berg. The following morning show interview was recorded and initially broadcast back in 2008. Enjoy. I can't remember being quite this excited in, in quite some time at the prospect of, of an interview because uh, it is with the author of an absolutely wonderful book about the work that doctors do. The book is called Better, A Surgeon's Notes on Performance, and the author is Atul Gawande. Dr. Gawande uh, is a general surgeon at the Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston. He's also a staff writer for The New Yorker and an assistant professor at Harvard Medical School and the Harvard School of Public Health. And his first book is called Complications of Surgeon's Notes on an Imperfect Science, a bestseller. And this, uh, this uh, next book is equally interesting and potentially valuable. And Dr. Gawande, we welcome you to the morning show. Thank you for having me on. This is a book about how doctors can be better doctors and how they can look at their own performance and, and better themselves. You say that betterment is a perpetual labor, and I suppose uh, that's, in a sense, kind of bad news. One <laughs> hopes a, a quick fix or a simple solution might be in order, but in fact, this is something that uh, anybody interested in bettering themselves needs to, needs to really consider. Yeah, the, I started asking the questions about how some doctors get better results than others because I entered my own practice as a surgeon in 2003, so only about four years ago. And I was trying to understand how I might get better at what I do. And th there turned out to be a sort of core lesson that I, that, that I found very interesting. When I looked at the people who were getting better results than everybody else, they weren't necessarily smarter than other people. They weren't even necessarily better trained. Instead, they were willing to look at their mistakes. They were willing to look at their failures, to acknowledge them openly, and then try to be innovative about how to solve them. And, um, you know, that kind of openness and, and, and willingness to look through your own failures to find solutions turned out to have lessons that cut across lots of areas of medicine. It went to everything from hand-washing to how uh, military medical teams in Iraq were managing to save more lives than ever before in history. And that was where the connection came from for me. Mm. Yeah, towards the top of the book you say, in medicine, as in any profession, we must grapple with systems, resources, circumstances, people, and our own shortcomings as well. And I guess what you're saying is that there's one kind of person who just sort of throws up their hands in the face of all that and sort of gives up or gives in somehow, and you are suggesting an alternative which is so much more satisfying, which is of coming up with ways in the face of all those things that are imperfect, including ourselves, and, and, and going for the very, very best results you can possibly achieve. Yeah, the puzzle is how to have any optimism in the face of what is an incredibly complex society nowadays. Um, I, I work at a hospital that in our system, we have 10,000 employees. I mean, it's, it's hard not to begin to feel you're just a white-coated cog in the machine and just making anything go right. You know, I, I had to order an x-ray for a patient today, and I did not want them to get an injection of the IV contrast they give for CT scans. Now, in order to make sure they didn't get this injection, I could write it on a little piece of paper and see what happens. But I know that someone can screw that up. And so I have to, I, I got to call downstairs and make sure I talk to the radiologist in charge and say, you know, don't give this patient that stuff you always give them. And, um, you know, it's, it, it can be frustrating, but, uh, the, that, 
that's the only way you start to make better results. It's the only way you start to actually rise on the curve and distinguish yourself. And and the irony of it is it is it makes your life and your job um, more purposeful. You, you feel you are accomplishing accomplishing something by doing something more than just checking the check boxes and 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 doing your your ordinary job day to day. You're you're trying to ask yourself how do I take responsibility for these people who've trusted themselves to me and, um, and give them a result that has a chance at, at, at being better than it was last year? And, uh, you know, we aren't going to always succeed. But, um, and people know we're not perfect, but they want to know that we're trying to aim for perfection. Hmm. You said just now something about uh, in order to sort of move yourself along the curve of improvement or, or, or some sort of words to that effect, which brings to mind one of the most striking things in your book, the fact that a, a recent study of, uh, of results of, of the work of doctors, I think those dealing with uh, cystic fibrosis, mm, yeah. revealed uh, very distressing results, uh, a certain bell curve that was not expected. Uh, briefly explain this to our listeners, because it strikes at the heart of why your book is so important. Yeah, the, um, the, this is the story of patients with cystic fibrosis, and, and these are children who are born with this terminal illness that um, the, the, the average survival is only 33 years. Now, that said, there is a wide bell curve for this illness, just like everything else in medicine. That is, there are some places that get better results than everybody else. And I went to one of those places. It's the University of Minnesota program in Minneapolis run by a guy named Warren Warwick. And at their program, their average child will live 14 years longer than elsewhere. And they do it by, uh, not because, you know, I went there thinking, okay, you guys have a secret drug that no one else has. But but they are using the same treatments everybody else is, the same guidelines, and they get different results. And the reason is they actually pay attention to their details. They track how often the kids that are supposed to be getting their treatments actually get their treatments at home. If they aren't getting the treatments at home, they follow through to figure out what to do to get them back on the treatments. They look over each other's shoulders to say, you know, we have seven doctors in this place and about 12 nurses all taking care of these kids. Is everybody on the same page? Are we really doing the same thing? These are, these are things that we don't normally do in medicine, hmm. and, uh, and we ought to. We ought to learn from the, the folks like that that are at the top of their curve. Um, we, cystic fibrosis is unusual. They put their results on the web publicly for everybody to look at. You can know what the difference is between an ordinary center, a lousy center, and a great center on the web. Um, there, we're just starting to do that. Last month, the, um, the government put on the web the, the results for hospitals and their cardiac care, and that is starting to spread throughout medicine. And that, it, many of us in medicine are afraid of it. We, we, we criticize it. We get angry about it. But the truth is, it's an opportunity for us because in my own field, I'd love to know who really is the best cancer surgeons for the, for the uh, kinds of cancers I take care of because I would go and learn from them. I, I'm sure I would get some pearls that would let me do better at my job. Hmm. One of the things you track at, at, at one point in your book, you've touched on it already briefly, is the fact that uh, in terms of, of keeping our, our, uh, our soldiers alive and well, that, uh, that we have made some remarkable breakthroughs in recent years after I think you talk about a, a fairly long period of plateau in which the, the, the percentage of, 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 of soldiers in battle killed remain relatively steady after many years of, of, of advancing improvement. 
And now, recently, some tremendous breakthroughs have been made in which more and more of our soldiers uh, caught in combat uh, survive. Uh, yeah. But, but of course, that, that brings to, 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 to the fore uh, other, other situations and challenges and so on. But you learned some interesting things about how this long-awaited breakthrough uh, is being achieved out there. Yeah, you know, soldiers wounded on the battlefield, about 25% of them have died for the last 50 years. You know, in the first Persian Gulf War, a little over a decade and a half ago, 25% of the soldiers wounded in the desert there died. Today, it's less than 10% die. And that's the breakthroughs that you talk about. What's really interesting about them is there is no major technological breakthrough. There's no major new discovery. Instead, they've taken the know-how we already have and made sure we're using all of it as well as possible. And so, for example, um, looking at their, at their statistics about what has happened, how, where are our failures, they discovered that soldiers were coming in to the, uh, into the hospitals with wounds to their heart and lungs from bombs going off that shouldn't have happened if they had the Kevlar armored vest working properly. And that's when they realized they weren't wearing their vests. They were leaving them off. And so they held commanders responsible. They made a new rule that they were responsible for making sure their troops wore their vests all the time. And the result is a dramatic drop in the number of deaths. They, they found that even after they were saved by the vests, they were still dying on transport from the battlefield to the hospital. And so they moved the surgeons into tents out closer to the battlefield. And, and they did this despite the fact that the surgeons complained about it. They said, how can we do surgery without all the technologies we normally use? The orthopedic surgeons didn't have x-rays. They were forced to go back to 19th century techniques of finding fractures by feel. And yet doing this, they saved more lives than ever in history. They saved people that have never, never been saved before, people with triple amputations and 90% of their body burned and major brain injuries. Our burden now is just as you say, having learned to do this and having been diligent enough to take that know-how and save so many people, we now have to figure out how to give those folks a life worth living and, and the quality of life with their rehabilitation. Hmm. You say it, the, the paradox at the heart of medical care is that it works so well and yet never well enough. That has to be one of the toughest things about this job is that because so often there is so much at stake that for all the good that is done, even the smallest of mistakes uh, can, can lead to disaster. What, what a mantle of responsibility which you and your colleagues wear. Well, part of what I want to talk about in this book is that anybody who takes responsibility for other people in fact, has that level of responsibility. They have that, that kind of moral uh, obligation. It's you as a teacher or as a policeman or in, in any job where, you're, where you are saying, look, trust me, we have this responsibility. Now, in my job, in a year, I'll do about 350 operations. 98% um, of the time, it's going to go very well, and I'm really proud of that. But 2% of the time, I will have major failures. I will have a complication that leaves someone worse off rather than better off, or they could die. And that means about six to eight people a year I have hurt rather than helped. Um, and, and I could ignore that, uh, but what I, what I think we owe people is thinking hard about um, how, to, how to make those cases go better next time, and also think about what I owe those six or eight people as individuals. Um, I, I owe them my help, my attention, more time, I should give them more time than other people. And we, as a society, knowing that, 
that there are going to be a certain rate of complications have to have a way to actually help those people when they're hurt. And, um, and, and thinking through that in all of our professions, I think, is something that we're missing uh, because of that idea, you know, that we always talk about positive thinking. That's what we need in this country to succeed. In fact, we need a willingness to think sometimes about the negative sides as well, and that's what will make us better. The book is Better, A Surgeon's Notes on Performance, published by Henry Holt and Company, and the author, Dr. Atul Gawande. I thank you so much for writing this, this great book. Well, thank you for having me on and, and being so generous.